0: So today on The Doctor's Brew, we're going to be sitting down with Dr. Muhammad Jamal. Uh, Dr. Jamal is an associate professor of surgery at Kuwait University and a consultant, uh, metabolic, upper GI, and hepatobiliary surgeon. Everyone knows Dr. Mohamed Jamal. He's a household name here in Kuwait. And uh, not just because of his ad- many accomplishments as a physician and as a surgeon, but also because of his communication with the public. He's uh, one of the people who's popularized communicating uh, with the public um, on Instagram. And for me, he's someone that I I do look up to. He's been a mentor of mine uh, throughout my medical uh, journey. And uh, in today's episode, I'm super excited. It was a a really awesome talk. We got into lots of different things. We got into exploring him as a person and his journey into medicine. how he saw it. And I think by understanding that journey, I got to understand that I wasn't alone in some of the things that I experienced or felt in deciding to go into medicine. It's not always the clear cut. I always liked, you know, anatomy and that's why I went into medicine. It's a bit more complicated than that. We talked about dealing with difficult patients. We talked about the system in Kuwait, um, limitations, things that are improving. And we also talked about uh, his specialty, talking a little bit about obesity, breaking down the stigma around obesity. Uh, So it was honestly a great talk. I hope you guys are gonna enjoy this uh, episode. And uh, yeah, let's get started. That's the sound of the coffee pouring. Welcome to The Doctor's Brew. I'm your host, Dr. Abdul Aziz Al-Khayab, and having coffee with us today is the legend himself, Dr. Muhammad uh, Jamal. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you for hosting me. I'm uh, really excited to be in this podcast, and I have been following all uh, your uh, episodes since the start. I really love it.
0: And we really appreciate the, the support uh, you uh, you know, your, your support of us was critical in starting out and uh, I really appreciate it. I know that uh, all our viewers uh, must tune into you. I know that for a fact he is one of the OG uh, celebrity doctors of <laughs> Um And before we dive into uh, things right now, I just want to give a quick shout out to our coffee partners of this week, Earth Roastery. Uh, so today we're having a <coughs> V60 and we also have uh, matcha, so we're double caffeinated because we didn't have our caffeine during the day. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> we need to stay double caffeinated. Uh, Definitely. And now before uh, before we get in, I want to ask, what do you think of the coffee?
1: I like it. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the V60. Now, so far, since the uh, futur I had Kahwa uh, arabia cold brew. But this is my uh, V60. It's really smooth and, and nice. Uh, the taste is really good. Good extraction. I love it.
0: Uh, if you approve of it, that means it's excellent. <laughs> so <laughs> that's your shout out, uh, Earth Roastery. Uh, just to remind you guys, they have an app and uh, they have an online store. So we're gonna show a code right here at the bottom. Be sure to use it for uh, to get a discount and be sure to visit their cafe. Uh, we can't stress enough how much we love them and we love the, uh, their sweets, everything. So go check them out. Yeah. All right. Great. So uh, let's dive right in, Victor. The first thing I want to know is I want to hear your story about how you got into medicine.
1: Well, I I never wanted to be a a doctor, actually, until the final stages before the application um, for and the university. Mm. So I always loved reading. So what did you do before getting into medical school? I really liked Uh, reading, poetry, uh, humanities. Um, I like chemistry as well. Mm. I loved physics. One thing I knew I did not like which was mathematics, Mm. okay? So knowing that medicine did not have mathematics, I I don't have an exciting story about why I got into medicine, really. I I don't have anything special to to tell. Even at my interview I struggled, right? So (laughs) in your interview in the UK, uh, you have to tell them why uh, you are going to medicine. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't find a good story to tell. Mm. I actually don't recall what what thing I invented or w- what did I say to them. But, um, so I don't have a good story. I just know uh, that I did not like mathematics and in medicine there was zero mathematics. My father told me, I was very confused in where to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was between chemical engineering and uh, medicine. Mm -hmm. And my father told me uh, that, you know, I know you. You get bored easily. And uh, medicine can be exciting because every day is a new day. My father was not a doctor, Mm -hmm. but um, when he he put it in that way and I I started thinking about it, I thought, you know, if, if every day is a new day, and every day I'm having a new story in medicine. If it's really like that, then I, I want to go into that, especially that there is no mathematics in, in that field.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, I guess that's why I went to medicine, and you know? I don't have a good story, really. I wanted to try it out. I thought mm-hmm. I will never succeed in the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to, to read um, a series of uh, uh, short stories or novels and the 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 main character loves somebody from Scotland mm. and he used to go to Scotland all the time. So um, at that time as well in 1998 Braveheart the movie uh, came out in Scotland impact. and uh, you know they uh, they offered going to Birmingham Liverpool or Scotland in terms of the UK or Ireland so the UK universities mm-hmm. if you wanted to study You had a choice between Birmingham, um, Aberdeen, and Liverpool, Mm -hmm. or you go to the Republic of Ireland. So I thought I'm going to go to the UK, to the empire, right? Mm -hmm, And uh, given the um, stories I used to read and the castles, the lakes, I thought of going to Scotland. So I really didn't have much info going there. It's not like now where you buy, whereby you can ask people, Mm -hmm. you can, go on YouTube, you can go on Twitter, Instagram. You have so many resources now helping you in where, 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 where to go. So essentially, I didn't have the greatest story to tell about mm-hmm. going to, uh, to medicine. And I thought I'm gonna go for one year. I even told my dad that I'm gonna go for one year and I'm, I think I'm coming back in a year because mm-hmm. my
0: English wasn't that great as well. That's so. something I wanted to actually ask you about yeah. because when I went, I ha- my English was great. It was fine, right? I know. <laughs> so, for me and the stuff that I was doing there, I couldn't conceptualize how difficult it, could, it it was and how difficult it is for my fellow Kuwaiti students who did not have. No, standards. don't
1: compare. Don't compare me to your fellow Kuwaiti students. How come? Because probably your fellow Kuwaiti students went to private schools. Some of them no. No, so I went to Muqarrarat. It was the worst system ever for high school. So um, really, the English was so bad, teaching English was so bad. And uh, I I cannot tell you how difficult it was. It was impossible.
0: That's what I mean, how? I really thought
1: I'm spending one year and coming back to Mm. that extent. Mm. It it was impossible from the the get go. To translate, I was lucky enough that at that time, you know, before, let's say a year before 1998 or two years before 1998, if you want to translate, you get the, there was a blue, like light blue, dark blue waves. The, 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 the cover has that on the, on the book, Oxford Dictionary. So you have to go to the Oxford Dictionary and translate word by word. But I was lucky that in 1998, something came out called, um, uh, it was an electronic ex-Oxford dictionary, oh, okay. and you can buy it from uh, Duali account, B'Hawali. Mm. But you have to input every single word and then wait. It was so slow. <laughs> um, so I used, to, uh, I used that for translation. Mm. I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you uh, something, just to tell you how, how difficult it was. So I attended, we had in our foundation year, now you go to foundation year, it's, it's much easier than medical school foundation year. No comparison. Especially in Aberdeen, it was so easy, mm. the foundation year, not the medical school. And in the foundation year, we had chemistry, physics, mathematics, English, as well as um, uh, cell biology. Uh, was it cell or molecular biology? Uh, it, it was a cell or molecular biology, I don't recall. That was very difficult because it had, um, uh, you need to do a lab every Friday. Mm. Uh, now, I almost failed the first lab. So in I- every month there's th- an assignment in the lab based on the experiment that you are doing. Right. I, I recall that the first lab experiment, I almost failed in it because I, I didn't know how to answer it. So, and I didn't understand anything from any of the lectures. How could you? Zero understanding. Yeah, a I did major not. I here. I could not take any notes. Mm. So I had no notes. Mm. I had. Uh, you didn't uh, do a,
0: a language year, or was that not a thing at the time? No, it wasn't a thing. Oh, so, okay, okay.
1: So, um, but I I went for three months um, uh, privately myself. Mm. Uh, I paid for uh, some English classes before mm. starting, but I was so. Um, I felt um, um, uh, so lonely at that time that I, I dropped out after one, one month. Mm. So I paid for three months and then I went home after the first month. Mm. I couldn't tolerate Al ال- Ghurba so. It was in June, I recall, in it's a, a village. Big hit. Yeah, it was a village called Swanage. So I came back a month after the, the, the language classes. That's before the foundation year. Mm. So June 1998. I was supposed to say three months and then, and then go back to Kuwait, but I spent one month. And uh, when I came back, I told my father, this is hell, there is no way I'm going back. The mm. is, is extremely difficult.
0: And it was worse then? Yes. Yeah, because the communication with home is not like today. Uh, uh, zero. So I came
1: back and I applied to Kuwait University, Okay, mm. medical school. Mm. And at that time, they used to do interviews and the interview, I thought, did not go well. Okay, in Kuwait University. I,
0: I cannot imagine Dr. Mohammed Jamal not interview. I
1: think the interview didn't go well. I, I think, maybe it did. Okay. That's uh, my impression at that time. It was my first interview ever for anything. Mm-hmm. ف, you know, I thought I'm not going to go into that. And then my father told me, so I always, يعني, I'm always, I'm easily intrigued and you can easily challenged. OK, because I think a challenge is an invitation for an unknown world. Mm. So I I love getting into the unknown. I I love uh, discovering new stories. Mm. So I was intrigued in how after spending one month there, it was so hard on me, right? How do people spend seven years? You mean as in fellow Kuwaitis or how do people... Fellow Kuwaitis. How do they spend seven years and study there? And I couldn't do one month. Mm. That intrigued me. Okay, What journey or what does it take for you to change from somebody who cannot tolerate one month abroad to somebody who can live there? And the fact that the interview I thought didn't go well, maybe Mm -hmm. it did, combined with that... And the, the, the feeling that I had a failure, right? So I, I came back after a month. That made me apply again for medicine abroad. And I thought, but I told my father that I'm coming back in a, in a month. Mm. So I wanted to, to try out, to try this out for myself. Right. And this is a recurrent theme in, in my journey. Uh, persistence. Uh, not persistence, uh, taking challenges or, or trying to discover mm. new stories, right? Mm. Getting in t- intrigued by how could other people do it? Yeah. Um. Fa- I couldn't understand anything. I remember there was a Danish student in uh, in the class, the cell biology, and I used to beg her, beg her, just so that she can give me the notes. She gave me the note one day, second day, and then she was bothered. Mm. I thought, I, I thought she she wasn't happy giving me her notes right. to photocopy. So I stopped doing that, and it, it was horrible. Yeah. I thought, you know what? In my high school, I never studied. I would study the night of the exam. Yeah. You know, maybe, so combined, I, 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 this I remember so vividly sitting down with myself and, and thinking about this. You know, I have a language ba- barrier, maybe my IQ is low, meaning that I should spend more time, right? Mm. So
0: it's all about spending time. But do you think that's the formula for everybody? or that worked for you? Because my fear sometimes is knowing the line between, okay, eventually I'm gonna hit a diminishing return here. Like I'm studying for an exam. It's been one year, every day I'm studying, I'm studying, I'm studying. Eventually, maybe this is the wall. What do you think?
1: Well, I think the more time you spend, um, no matter um, matter how difficult it is, Mm. The more time you spend, the more return you're going to get. Okay? Okay. So if somebody needs uh, three hours, you'll need 10 hours. Mm-hmm. If you tell me I'm going hit a wall, although I was studying 12 hours, then you need 16 hours maybe. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that to me at that time. I right. used to think about it. I, I used to think about it that way. So I thought I'm going sp- to study before the night of the exam. So I sat down, opened page one in chapter one. I started translating the page. Word for word? Word for word. I remember the first time it took me three hours to translate two pages. No, no. I still couldn't understand what was going on in the lectures. And then two, a month or two later, I realized that the lectures are from chapter seven. So you were in the wrong chapter? I was in the wrong chapter. (laughs) I thought it's like the high school. You open page one. (laughs) Wallah! I want to find that book because mm-hmm. I, I'm, I love highlighting things. Mm-hmm. So every time I study, I highlight with different number, mm-hmm. just to tell myself how many times I studied the chapter. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to find that book one day to show that chapter one was only uh, highlighted for the first two or three pages because mm-hmm. we never went back to chapter one, even later. Mm-hmm. So it was that difficult. And then I thought, you know what, then if this is, if this is the case, I need to study the whole time. 24 seven. 24 seven. So I did that. And I got uh, almost an A in my uh, cell biology. Mm. And then I got a uh, full mark in my molecular biology six months later. So, so it, it was... Huh? Instantly. Six yeah. months, I mean, yeah, yeah, for, for someone yeah. who didn't so, know the language. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but I was spending so much time studying. I, 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 st- I stopped sleeping the night of the experiment on Friday.
0: Mm.
1: And we had, um, we had a TA, his name is Abdul Murad. Mm. Uh, from Malaysia. He mm. was a TA. He was in charge of our group at the lab. And then one day he came to us and said, you know what, you guys, I like you guys because we are from a similar background.
0: Right.
1: And I want to give you an, an advice. Okay. Can me and my friend, Fawaz Lim Tairi, um, he's a computer genius now. He left medical school. Mm. Okay. Go ahead. He said, um, I advise you to leave uh, um, science. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, we told him, okay, well, we leave science, but we are not studying science. We are studying medicine. He said, yeah. what? I thought you. Um, I want to advise. I thought you guys are studying science, mm-hmm. and I wanted you to go to uh, uh, um, business school or something. <laughs> now you are studying medicine? No way. Yeah. That he thought he didn't know this is a foundation as part for, of the yeah, medical yeah, school. Yeah. So he was extremely shocked that we are not actually science students. We are even gonna go to medical school. He mm. said, that "You guys, it's it's a hopeless case for you guys." Wallah,
0: he doesn't sound like the best teaching <laughs> assistant. Lela, <laughs> I love him. said <laughs> la, I love <laughs> like, him.
1: I think he <laughs> truly wanted to yeah any we were so bad. I remember <laughs> the first two months in the experiment had yeah. it was yani yeah, uh, it was so bad. Mm. I cannot tell you i uh and how bad it was. Uh Baden then when I went I got into medical school, started uh the Foundation the first year and then mm-hmm. we went to medical school. Yeah. And in the medical school I continued doing what I was doing. So I was Studying the whole time, right? The library. We had the Queen Mother Library mm. So the royal family of England was they would spend their summer in Aberdeen the historically okay. so they have two residences, right? They have Buckingham Palace, right. then they have Balmoral Palace, which is in uh, Aberdeenshire right. just uh, uh, 15 minutes from where I lived right in Aberdeen driving if you watch The Crown, it's all—they give references to Balmoral Castle. The Queen Elizabeth died in, in Bal- Balmoral Castle. Right. There's a um, um, uh, strong connection between the royal family mm-hmm. and the uh, University So Queen Mother Library, they close at 10 o'clock. I, sp- I stay every day. So you get you get a you get a, an announcement in the library 15 minutes before closure mm. another one five minutes before closure I never left before the uh, the, the last one the five minutes before closure announcement mm. every day for six years six years yes every day but and lectures would finish let's say what four well three o'clock lectures and then I think
0: around four or five yeah eight. earlier
1: even sometimes so uh, from the time, was this
0: something you felt you needed to do, or was this because you wanted to excel at what you were doing?
1: I felt that it's either you excel or you, you fail. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't come up with a formula in a between middle, yeah. for somebody who did what he did in the first two months. Yeah. It, was yeah. so, it was horribly bad yeah. the yeah. first two months. Yeah. It was scary bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and if you push you, through that? You know, it's yeah. a scary, bad. So I never wanted to be in that situation. Mm. I, I tell you something. It's harder to be bad than harder to be. And it's easier to be good. What do you mean? Yani, it's very hard to be a bad student. How so? Yani, if you ask me now. If you care about what you're doing. If you, you ask me now, what was the hardest part of your life mm. as a student? Mm. I will tell you the first two months. Right. صح? Right. Yeah. And then I tell you now that I spent six years studying every day. Yeah. To you, this sounds hard, but yeah. it wasn't hard for me.
0: Mm.
1: Because ha- feeling the pain of failure right. and the pain of, 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 being, um, of not understanding what's going on, mm. Zain, this is more painful and harder than the pain of excellence, than the pain of hard work.
0: Mm so what would you say so to i think this is an
1: important message what would you hard say? hard work students is painful but it's 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 worse to be to endure the pain of being Failing. a bad student
0: did you get that 100 percent. and what would you say to students who like that that were like me you know i i was doing well and fine but what i struggled with at the start was really engaging with the material the way that it was being Taught I was I wasn't vibing with too much, you know, but I, there was this this fear in me of I'm not good enough.
1: I, I always had that feeling, yeah. so I always had that feeling, and um, I used to tell myself, look, if being a doctor is about uh, uh, you'll be the the uh, the mat uh, the, you know, as a doctor you are the the. Uh, should I, should I look, uh, you are the line between life oh, and death. I was actually
0: reflecting on this today, yeah. Okay. We, we truly, yeah.
1: So I used to think to myself, if I am the line between life and death, بإذن Allah subhanahu wa Then, from today, I need to do what I'm doing extremely well mm. so that when I'm faced with, a, with, a, with with a problem, with a patient, mm. I can do well with that patient. I can offer him the best out there. Father, something that ca- was in the back of my mind as well. Mm. Okay? I don't want to do things uh, halfway.
0: So, you always had the image of tomorrow I'm going to be a doctor? Yes. And this is what drove you?
1: Yes. But, but, but also, mm. I told you, so when I went to medical school the first year, mm. I was doing that every day at 10 o'clock. Mm. And I got the, the prize in anatomy three months later, so it was in, in January. I, I, I got into, every year I used to get to the distinction, virus, getting distinction for five years wow. because I was studying this much. And then I graduated uh, uh, with, with honor. I was at the top of my class in the wow. middle. There was only a one female above me mm. and she was already a PhD student, <laughs> right? So we had, uh, we had 200 in our uh, medical mm-hmm. school. 40 of them were mature students. So mm-hmm. 40 of them were pharmacists, dentists, uh, PhD already. So right. she was a PhD in, in pharmacy. She was the one who got right. uh, higher than me. I was the second. But the top male in the class and the wow. top undergraduate student from 200. Wow. The, the story, this story tells you from somebody in the first two months who, who was reading from chapter one, mm. when it was about chapter seven, yeah. to, to reach that, then it showed me that anybody can do
0: anything. And I hope people listening are Anybody,
1: by I, this. I really, and, and it made me really believe that anybody, can, be, can do anything and I can do anything if I spend the time
0: mm.
1: and focus. Mm. It's only about the time. And if you, if you think about it, you own nothing in this life
0: yeah.
1: except your body and your
0: time. Yeah.
1: If I strip you of everything that you own, I cannot strip you of, of your body except if you die. Mm. And I cannot strip you from your time unless you die. Mm. Right? right? So that's the only thing we own. It's the most valuable uh, assets. And so you dedicate and since your since you time. cannot control your body very well, you can control your time very yeah. well. Nowadays, I'm, you know, mal phones, social media mm-hmm. and all that, it's, it takes a lot of your time. But if you think about it carefully, it's not, you are using it in your daily life. It's not that it's taking your time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how that, that, that's how um, I studied and I overcame the, the, uh, the language barrier. If you look at the earbook. Mm-hmm. So even in the yearbook, uh, um, they wrote that um, Muhammad, uh, there was a paragraph in the yearbook. Mm -hmm. So the students would write something about you in your yearbook. Is that what you do in Manchester? We didn't have a yearbook. No, we had a yearbook. (laughs) So a graduation
0: book. I think our class was too big.
1: We had a graduation book Mm -hmm. and everybody would put his picture and somebody would write a paragraph. That's that's beautiful.
0: Manchester. (laughs) Come on, step up your game.
1: (laughs) One of the paragraphs, he was silent for four years. And once he mastered the language, he never shut up. (laughs) Okay? But for for four years, they they thought I I maybe, and I started talking to them. So for four years, I couldn't talk. English wasn't easy for me even to to Mm. communicate. But for three or four years, I I, I didn't talk much. Mm. They thought I'm the, they would see me in the library, studying all the time, not talking much. They thought this is the, the nerd. But then... When I started speaking English, and they knew my true self, they were they were oh, is he is he okay? Mm. <laughs> they were they thought that I'm I'm under and a transformation or something. Mm. Yeah. I, and then I I I uh, I um I even went into the medical school. I, I went I nominated myself for the midsoc You have midsoc in yeah, the, we do. No, no. I'm yeah. So <laughs> I was the only foreigner to win in the midsoc election. Oh. Yeah. You weren't silent in the election. Nah, nah, okay. It was the. Uh, the year before graduation.
0: So, yeah. on the note of language barriers, I want to flip something to uh, a question. Of course, you didn't go through this, but what about the doctors right now, the trainees who are coming from abroad, who are having trouble acclimatizing to now being is speaking Arabic? Because I'll I'll be honest about this. One thing I've heard from uh, people, like uh, uh, friends of mine, have said this. They feel more nervous making mistakes in Arabic than in English, and they think that this is maybe a cultural thing. Whether you agree, disagree, I don't know. But I've heard this complaint from people, and I've uh, you know people get nervous. I myself, I've gotten very nervous sometimes speaking to patients. Words that I've gone into patient rooms before, and I just my mouth opens and nothing comes out because I'm nervous. I know the words, I know what I'm about to say, but because I've been so used to uh, being abroad. So what would you say to, uh, to us trainees, us uh, juniors who are having that language uh, shift issue? So I don't think it's
1: a language issue. Mm. It's it's um, simplifying the medical terms to people. Okay. Okay, it, it, that's the issue. Right. And it's, it's very hard. And we have, we, we always, we have, we have gone through this. We always struggled with that um uh the public here um uh will will take your your word yeah, yani word by word so you need to yes. be very careful in your language absolutely especially when they hear conflict conflicting um messages so if you say something your assistant registrar will say something else the registrar will say something and then the on call will say another thing they 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 the, the public here really don't like that so any change in the Narrative to them is a big change. Mm-hmm. It's oh, mm-hmm. okay, right. and they will call their friend and they will tell him, uh, Doctors here, they don't know what's going on with right. me. Can you please? Uh, yeah. So it always happens, but this issue is there must be a unified narrative to the patient. So when you round the whole team needs to know what to tell the patient when they ask a question right abroad we used to have family meetings so i think family meetings is underutilized sometimes here so it's Mm. good to have family meeting you have large families and uh, you know the sister will ask you then the cousin will come one day and ask somebody else Mm. and then they will discuss among themselves and they will um Tell different uh, uh, narratives of the of the of the diagnosis of the story, and that will create confusion. Mm-hmm. So it's about having one narrative and having one source of communication. Having family meetings that will make things much easier in terms of uh, communication. Right. So, so I think the communication issue is not a language barrier as much as um, a unified narrative that should be delivered to the patient.
0: And what do you think? is the best way for us on the practical level on the day-to-day to to confront our anxieties with speaking you know and in actually communicating i
1: i i I think as a trainee you shouldn't be delivering news to the family unless you know exactly what's going on and you know what for example if your consultant went in the morning and spoke to the family yeah you need to know what the consultant said absolutely yeah okay so it's also the team itself the team needs to communicate very well Mm. It's essential. Hmm. And,
0: and sometimes that's that's not happening. And so whose who's responsibility is it? Is it the consultant or is it the junior? So, so the consultant, of course. Okay. So the consultant
1: is not only responsible for the care. He's, he's responsible for the communication between the team. Right. Uh, okay. And it's your responsibility as well to communicate with the, with, with, with the consultant and the others to, to, to know what's going on with the patients.
0: Well, I mean, sometimes the problem that, uh, I'll tell you, like, uh, uh, one issue that we've often faced is that it'll be two a.m. Yeah. and uh, the patient's family is all there because they decided, of course, they're not going to come during normal visiting hours.
1: And they will call you to ask you what's going on. Yeah, and, it's and not then even you tell your them image. I'm the on-call. Yes. <laughs> and they will be very upset. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's what you are doing through this podcast. And yani, uh, the families need to know mm. how the system is working. That the on-call is responsible for the emergencies. Mm. When I was on call in the Glasgow Royal Infirmary as a trainee, mm. I had 400 patients. Yeah. If those 400 patients, each one of them called me to, to deliver news to them, I, I will stop working. Yeah. Hey, People it'll, it'll will die. It would be impossible. You know, so so they need to know that the on call is different. And I need to, to spread the culture of asking for family meetings. Mm. So I tell my patients, look, especially when you have um, an acute issue, mm-hmm. um, I would tell the patient, look, uh, we can schedule a family meeting over the phone Mm -hmm. um, or we can create a WhatsApp group or uh, we can all come together, bring all the family tomorrow at 10 o'clock and I will speak to every single one of you at once. Right. So that's what I do when I have a complex patient.
0: Well, I wanted to also ask you on the note of communication. You are very good at delivering bad news. And I know this uh, through personal experience with my dad. Uh, Do you mind sharing with us a little bit about communicating bad news to patients? Because
1: so you need to understand the cultural context. Yeah. So in Kuwait, the patients, um, I think not in Kuwait, but I think um, I was was saying that on Instagram the other day, I was giving a lecture on. I was giving a lecture on uh, Dante. The, the, the divine comedy right in the um, Italian Cultural Week. Mm. And uh, so I was doing an extensive search in that because I was particular I was not talking about uh, the, the, the divine comedy in general. I was talking about the similarities or the, um, um, the uh, I was talking about the similarities or the resources that the Islamic and Arabic resources mm-hmm. that influence the divine comedy. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Divine Comedy, so when Dante went to uh, enter the Inferno, so it's about getting into the Inferno, uh, the heavens and the uh, Purgatory, right. اللي هو mm-hmm. So when he enters the Inferno, it, it's written on the Inferno, on the door, here is where hope does not exist. Mm. Okay, and that is, I think, the worst torture you can give to anybody. To tell him that there is no hope. Absolutely. This is you, you got your patient into hell when you start by saying that there is no hope, yeah. or when you tell them that there is no hope. Yeah. And this, this is something that we were not used to abroad. What do you mean? يعني, يعني patients abroad, I, I think their cultural, con- their, their cultural context allow them or make them. It it makes it easier for them to 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 let go of hope. So, some some of the cultures. Yeah. I I agree. Yes. i I agree. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Actually. They
1: like you to be very direct, and very precise. Yeah. I I think that. Uh, b- because I think giving hope is extremely important. And I the other thing that made me give hope. Is that I, I have came across some patients that uh, they were miracles. I yani, I have two patients who I, I, I one I did a YouTube um, interview with. Mm. Uh, I, I thought it was a completely hopeless case. Mm. And I remember giving him hope, and I was saying to myself, maybe I was wrong in giving him hope. Haram, and I gave him hope. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, it turned out to be a miracle story. Really? Another patient as well, I talked about a perforated pancreatic cancer. I gave him a bit of hope, and we struggled in curing him. He's now eight years out of his uh, really cancer, pancreatic yeah. cancer, yeah, yeah. perforated, with with bilateral pulmonary embolism and a big abscess. Okay, it's a long story, but I, I wrote it on Twitter. Wow. Yeah, For sometimes miracles can happen, Zane. and you need to know that if if you realize that that uh, letting go of hope is a tor- torture, and um, you realize that I, I i should be always it's who, who am i mm-hmm. to take hope from people right yeah i'm not god to take hope from people yeah sah? absolutely so we should always fight until the end because we need to balance things out mm-hmm. and we need to be prepared it's it's nice to live with hope but hope is going to be bad if you become delusional
0: Okay. Sah. I see what you mean. You like know? when it's maybe end of the line and they're When it's end hope. of
1: life and then you, you, you want very aggressive measures because this is torture again, right? So, so, so it's, it's a balance. It's a balance. And you need to be very very careful in, in, in balancing uh, uh, that out. And now... <laughs> My delivery of bad news depends on not taking hope away without exaggerating it
0: and now what do you do because you were very vital in treating my dad who was also who's also mm. your uncle what do you do when there's family involved how because that becomes messy and complicated
1: yeah 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 it's 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 uh, it's really difficult should uh, you even
0: get involved with family
1: with your own family yeah yeah, I, 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 st- I, I tried to stay away from my own family. And mm-hmm. with your dad, I was getting to Dr. Ma'ad al Nasar I say, Mr. Khair Dr. Amin al Nasari, So they, they used to deliver yeah, they, the messages uh, that I don't want to, to deliver, right? Yeah,
0: that's actually uh, a good, that's a very good
1: point. But at some point, uh, لا, I, I had, I was asked directly, and I, I had to answer. It's better to avoid treating family, of course. You think so? Yes, of But when you, as a doctor, uh, are confro- confronted by a patient family you know, Then you need to be clear best again was or try to balance between letting go of uh, 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 yani preparing the patient for his end of life uh, decisions, best not taking hope, hope away. It's a difficult balance to attain.
0: Uh, extremely. and uh, yeah. I think I think what you said earlier about the uh, the culture shifting the culture in Kuwait, about understanding the roles of the doctor is also critical in delivering the re- the bad uh, bad news because if uh, I I've been in places before where I, I had to m- manage a patient and his family and the the psychology of the news that they just delivered and whatever and this shouldn't be on the on call. I bet in
1: never. You should get yourself
0: out of it. In fact, I once as a trainee on call. I I I was telling a friend of mine. I said that I think communication wise, if we limited. If we stuck to, not limited, the official rules, there are official hospital visiting times for family. Yeah. I feel, from my experience, that if we stuck to those rules, we would take away 70% of the communication problems that exist between Sorry. the doctors Sorry, and true. their families right now. True. Uh, but then, okay, in Kuwait, the state of Kuwait right now, how do you feel about communicating these messages to the public? Are we a hopeless case?
1: Um, you need to communicate these messages. I think Soha, uh, the Minister of Health uh, should take that uh, into consideration, mm-hmm. and then uh, at the end of the day, um, the miscommunication that is happening is making the the public lose trust in the in the in the medical establishment. Mm. That's why you need you really need to improve the communication. The doctors here are excellent. A lot of doctors are doing a great oh, job. The
0: talent is amazing in this
1: country. But sometimes the communication mm. is the issue, and the mass communication, the communication with the mass public by the Minister of Health, can be an issue if it's that not uh, if we don't focus on that.
0: Do you think that the trust the public doesn't trust us?
1: I think they trust individuals. What they, do they, they trust individual doctors. They don't trust the, the whole medical establishment. And part of it is the treatment abroad. Uh, Part of it is the the issue with the communication that we're referring to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of it is them not understanding what the doctors are doing. And the other day I was in the clinic. And I was having my hepatobiliary clinic, Mm -hmm. the Hospital. And I was just waiting for a 70 years old who I did the Whipple procedure for in the corridor. And she's coming, I wanted to, to wait for her in the corridor, not in the room. Mm-hmm. Next to me, there's the plastic surgery clinic. It's so busy, the plastic surgery clinic, right? Fortunately, the hepatobility clinic is not that busy, <laughs> then it's all cancers. And there was a lady who was waiting for her to turn to the plastic surgery clinic mm-hmm. since for a long time, like yeah. three or four hours. So her turn came out. Mm-hmm. She walked in the corridor and she saw me standing as a consultant. Yeah. And she was telling to her friend, "Look, I was waiting for 4 hours and this doctor is doing nothing." <laughs> I was like I I didn't say anything. Oh yeah. You what, know what they mean? they they think we are like yani شايف شلون انت قدش على cashier? Uh, yeah. Cashier الجمعيه? صح. You know? at the cashier in the in the jamia they want if the one cashier is bu- is not is, is, is busy mm. you go to the next cashier who is not busy mm. they, they think we we function this way <laughs> Zain. it's true it's not their fault it's our fault that we are we are not communicating how we are functioning in the hospitals but Araft. by our fault you mean doctors or do you mean the system the, the system okay. the whole system
0: establishment okay
1: they needs to they, they need to let the public know what we are doing that we have as, as a surgeon, I have a, a day of clinic, I have a day of surgery. Mm. Maybe, at, maybe at the time of the day of my clinic, I have an important meeting mm. or an important lecture to give. Mm. Araft? Yeah, yeah. So then, or, or I get called for an emergency surgery. So I'm as a hepatobiliary surgeon, we are very few hepatobiliary surgeons in Kuwait. We can cover anywhere mm. in Kuwait if there is a hepatobiliary emergency. So mm. people don't understand that. And if they don't understand that, you cannot blame them. Right. Araft? we're giving this in English حتى الناس You should put
0: Arabic subtitles. inshallah, no, in the near future, that's <laughs> that's definitely no, uh, definitely coming up. Great. So, uh, we're back from our uh, quick break there. Uh, so, we were talking a little bit about communication just now. Yeah. I want to move a little bit uh, closer to home for you, closer to your specialty. I want to talk a little bit about surgery, different options for medical students after graduating, that kind, of, that kind of thing. So. After uh, you left, uh, you finished med school. You told me that you weren't in, uh, you weren't intending on surgery initially.
1: That, so so initially in mm-hmm. the medical school again, uh, I I wasn't intending in doing surgery. No. I loved everything. I loved neurology, hematology, psychiatry, um, infectious disease for that matter.
0: Infectious disease. Uh, That's So like much that. memorization. I, for I, me. I loved uh,
1: <laughs> microbiology, um, and then. Um, I really enjoy. I attended one uh, cardiac surgery, and mm. I, I I like that seeing the heart beat in front of you. It's it's magical. The so my supervisor. So in our medical school, from the first day, they they get you to a supervisor. Then, mm. so my supervisor was the 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 president or the vice president of the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh, uh, Professor Youngson, incredible uh, man, uh, demeanor. Uh, uh, character, stamina, teaching, um, and he was a pediatric surgeon.
0: Okay.
1: F- that got me, uh, I remember, uh, a year before the end, um, and my, my mother developed breast cancer, and my aunt, Allah Rahama, as well developed right. breast cancer. I was in in the second year of medical school, and I asked so many questions. Again, this I got in- intrigued. Mm-hmm. So why did my mother have uh, breast cancer surgery plus... Um, lymphadenectomy plus mm. chemotherapy and radiotherapy while my aunt had only a lumpectomy mm-hmm. plus radiotherapy. She did not get chemotherapy. Mm. So these questions intrigued me. And, um, um, another thing is, you know, when they teach you knot tying, that I was so, yani, yani when you, the first time you tie a knot, yeah. it's so hard and difficult.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And when you go to the surgery, they, 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 do, they, they are doing a hernia surgery, and he tells you, oh, this is the vast difference, and this is the sack, and I'm tying it. And you have no clue what's going on. Mm. Because this is so different from the anatomy books. Yeah. You yeah. So I was telling myself again, what's the journey that makes somebody like me, who's finding it so hard to tie the first time he's tying a knot, and not understanding the first time watching a hernia surgery, what's yeah. going on? to do it like that, like he's driving a car. Yeah. Like he's-, he's Second nature. Second nature. It's like mm-hmm. he's di- driving a bicycle.
0: <laughs>
1: how could people do this? Yeah. Araft? Mm. I could comprehend how people do medicine and psychiatry. Of course, all of this is difficulty. Yeah, I Any specialty is difficult. Yeah. Because, يعني, you can't you can imagine it. It's studying, experience, like but it's actually doing the surgery with your hand this way. Arab. Yeah. Uh, other. It's something that really got me intrigued. Judden why. Mm-hmm. Arab? Again, I got the, the prize in anatomy in the first year. So I, I always loved anatomy, loved microbiology. So microbiology, immunology, anatomy, they, they they form the basic science of uh, of surgery. the the the, the impact that you get in your patient, it's in- instant. Of course. Sometimes the patient is dead. He comes to the emergency room dead, literally dead. There is no pulse yeah. in trauma, for example, and yeah. you get him out of that. Yeah. It's, it's just incredible. It's, it's, it's amazing. So that, that's what got me interested in, in surgery, the mm-hmm. il- il- role, role model, mm-hmm. il- uh, the pediatric surgeon, the il- il- journey, thinking of, uh, of uh, how challenging this can be. Mm-hmm. Um, will uh, well, questions that I wanted to get answered for my uh, aunt. She developed uh, liver metastasis, so why we cannot remove these liver metastases? Why well, there is no cure for it when it's from my yeah. breast cancer? So, so that's what got me uh, interested in surgery. And, and I knew in my final year, it's not until the final year, that I knew that I'm going to go into surgery.
0: And do you think that there's personality types besides interest? Yeah, in
1: my first shift, in my first uh, week of medical school, I remember uh, uh, meeting with the surgeon and he told me, you're not going to do anything but surgery. <laughs> and I would challenge you. So what are the personalities? I'm going to be right. يعني, شوف, you, you cannot generalize. But I, I, think, I think you can tell. I'm, ma, ma, I'm uh, not going to be a
0: surgeon. I, huh? let, let, لا, let's, let's you, be you do have that character. You I mean. think so? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: anybody can be a surgeon. But I <laughs> You, you, peep, peep, people misunderstand surgeons. Right? So sometimes they say, oh, they are firm, <laughs> narcissistic. They think they are always right. They are
0: arrogant. How that's typical. This is for the trainees that are terrified of their surgery rotation yeah. and are going to Kim's requesting for the yeah. change right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know, the thing is, in, in the acute surgery, mm-hmm. especially in, in the acute matter, it, mistakes cannot happen. Because any mistake
0: can deviate
1: the the patient. Uh, So you need to be firm, you need to be thorough, you need to know what you're doing. The decision making is essential. Sometimes it takes seconds for you to make a bad decision and kill the patient, especially in in trauma surgery or when you have a major uh, adverse intraoperative event. So even intraoperatively, it's like let's say you're Uh, uh, in a plane as a pilot and and the plane is falling. It's instant. You need to make it. Sometimes you are faced with similar issues during surgery. You need to make instant decision. Any delay can kill your patient. So you need to be, you need to to know what you are doing and you need to trust your gut feeling, right? You,
0: You need to develop these reflexes. You know, I've always wondered what is failure like for a surgeon? Because I can imagine failure for, let's say, internal medicine. I gave the wrong antibiotic. I'm gonna switch it. But in that, those, those brief seconds, those moments, and I'm certain they've happened in every surgeon's life because nobody's perfect, you know. So, yeah. but what does surge, uh, what does failure in surgery look like? What should we, uh, um, a future surgeon, expect mistakes they're going to make on the job and how to rectify that?
1: So, uh, it's not about mistakes. It's whenever you have an adverse outcome, you will always blame yourself. and Because there is a direct, com- there, there is mm. a direct link between your action and what happens to the patient. Mm. So, the surgeons will not blame anything but themselves. They will not say, oh, the suture wasn't good. Mm. So, in other specialties, they say, oh, the antibiotics. The patient did not respond to antibiotics. Right. So, it's the antibiotics' fault. Yeah. صح. So? Yeah the patient did not respond to this it was not the, the medication decision yeah you know we cannot say that mm. there is a book by charles Bosk. i think he's a, a phd uh, in UPenn, he's a he's a social medicine specialist phd in in UPenn. Mm. when he was a, a phd student he did his phd as an ethnographic study um, shadowing a surgical team for four years. Mm. And in that book, it's called Forgive and Remember. He, he talks about all that, that the surgeons are under tremendous pressure because mm. they, they they always blame themselves when it's not their fault. Mm. Mm. Um, so n- no matter what happens to the patient in terms of adverse outcome, you will always think of how I can't change that. Mm. I recently listened to an interview with uh, the greatest surgeon of the 20th century. Um, his name, uh, um, he's the the, the inventor of liver transplant surgery, Mm. Thomas Tarzel. Mm. And they, um, the first 150 transplants that he did, liver transplants, the survival, guess how much was the survival
0: in the first year? Let's say, brand new. 150 patients, yeah. Let's say 20, 30%? 10%.
1: Oh no. What was the survival for two years? If it's ten percent, five percent. Zero percent. Nobody survived more than two years for the first 150 cases. Mm. And I always thought that, you know, maybe he's somebody who who was careless. Not careless. He's he's very careful. He's somebody who who doesn't spend time uh, blaming himself. Mm. Uh, And then I listened for another interview. uh, uh, I listened to another interview with him. They asked him, they, he stopped operating in 1990 mm. because he had a heart attack. Right. So the the, the uh, th- they asked him, did you miss surgery? Because mm. if you ask any surgeon when they stop operating, did you miss surgery, they'll say, oh, of course I did.
0: Mm.
1: He said, no, I didn't miss it.
0: Why?
1: For somebody who, who did so many complex surgeries. Yeah. And they asked him why. He said, because uh, every day I lost a patient, it was like a doomsday for me. And it was nice to not have this feeling again. Right. And I was emotionally wrecked at the end of, 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 of all that. I remember every single patient as part of my family. I have a graveyard, and that you'll hear that from many surgeons, that they have a graveyard that they will always visit to, to, to remember their, their patients. Especially, do you have that? Yeah, especially in the complex surgeries. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate to do straightforward surgeries in, in the field of obesity surgery. I do straightforward surgeries. Mm-hmm. But in my other specialties, in, uh, in my other specialty in hepatology surgery and liver transplant, we we do have it's it's very major and high risk sometimes, high risk surgery. So it's 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 very emotionally it's it's very consuming, mm-hmm. and very difficult. It's literally like, yeah, uh, there is a study showing that thirty percent of patients uh, experience post-traumatic stress disorder, same way as the. Soldiers experience during, during after e- surgeries, after surgery, especially oh. when they have an adverse event mm. so uh, emotionally, it's it's very challenging yeah. and uh, um, It leads to 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 major major psychiatric issues mm. burnout and and uh, you are an expert in that <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's not easy.
0: It's yeah. not easy. Yeah. I mean this is I, I think the the personality element when it comes to choosing a specialty is very important yeah and taking things like this into consideration like who, who yeah. what is quote unquote the the graveyard that I'm gonna have mm-hmm. you know because definitely every specialty has a different yeah list of patients that are like for example psychiatry I'm, I'm on my psychiatry elective what I'm noticing is it's you're not going to have um, maybe patients who passed away but your patients are maybe patients who just are non-adherent or don't like you and they're stuck in psychosis yeah. Or they're cursing at you. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: that, that's that's very very challenging as well. Of course. The issue is y- you will have adverse events. It's not that you'll have mistakes. Mistakes are not allowed. But adverse events, they, 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 they can happen because you don't control everything. I of mean, course. Now with COVID, you get somebody who gets COVID, they get uh, neshle. Mm. Somebody else gets COVID and they get into the ICU. Somebody gets COVID and mm-hmm. he doesn't discover it unless he's traveling to do... A PCR. PCR, The response of the immune system is in charge of everything Mm -hmm. and that's what's happening in surgery. It's the response of the immune system. Mm -hmm. It's what determines how healing is happening. Right. So Mm -hmm. we cannot control everything and that's something that is very essential to be understood in the future Mm -hmm. uh, among the surgical community and among the
0: public. I remember, you know, when I was in my orthopedic rotation, uh, on the on the topic of uh, immune response, I still remember how it was a bit of a light bulb moment. I always read in textbooks patients shouldn't smoke after uh, orthopedic surgeries or after surgeries delays healing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it was only when my orthopedic surgeon sat down with his patient and he looks at him in the eye and he just said, "Listen, I'm not doing anything for you until you stop smoking." because there's going to be no use. So you are really in in a battle with the the immune system.
1: Yeah. 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 It's it's all about the immune system in surgery. That's what I believe. Mm. Um, You have to optimize the immune system before the surgery, and Mm. that's by losing weight, exercising, eating well, uh, stop smoking. Um, That's how you
0: optimize your immune system. All things that are very difficult (laughs) in Kuwait. (laughs) Sometimes, yeah. Uh, So your other specialty is uh, focusing on Weight uh, loss. Weight loss. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's very common in Kuwait. So the majority of the surgeries yeah. I do in Kuwait is, is related to weight loss because we, we are one of the highest nations on earth to have obesity. Uh, wh- obesity why rate. do you think that is? It's genetics and, and epigenetics. Mm. Um, our genes are not made in, in general. I mean, our genes are not made for, for this life in which we have so uh, uh, calorie condensed food, you know, mm. in the past. For you to eat this much, this much calories in, in one setting, mm. as a hunter-gatherer, so 95 percent of the human history of our genes was during the time of hunter-gatherers. Mm. The hunter-gatherers will will run marathons to, to eat. Uh, 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 you know, uh, what can you eat? If you, you would run a marathon just to eat arnim. <laughs> How do you say arnim? Uh, uh, A rabbit. A eye. thigh. A rabbit rabbit thigh. thigh. <laughs> <laughs> To eat uh, uh, 700 calories at that time was impossible. Yeah. Can, can you think of at the time of being a so hunter-gatherer? we still, wa- right. so we're still stuck with this? Yes, oh. yes, because 95% of our genes were developed at that time. When you frame it that way, it makes more sense. Hey, <bright> Tell me, as a hunter-gatherer, how, how could you eat 700 calories in one setting? <groans> impossible. Impossible. With a bow and arrow, what are you doing? No. Ice cream, hal kubur 700 calories mm. sneakers mm. you get 700 the system calories. is now against you it's against Inherently. you it's against you and mm. then at that time you can by seven o'clock in the morning you get twelve thousand steps mm. nowadays i'm measuring my steps with this you struggle you know if i don't exercise I, it's the, the average is four thousand five thousand steps yeah. which is mm. nothing so you do your workout in the past just to eat mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and our genes are not made for that.
0: And so now when you see an obese patient in, uh, in the clinic, what, what is their journey? What are the options? Where do they go?
1: So morbid obesity, now we practice evidence-based medicine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So anything that we should recommend to our patients is based on studies. And the highest quality of studies is a randomized controlled st- study mm-hmm. or a meta-analysis of, of randomized, randomized controlled trials. There is no single randomized control study with more than a year of follow-up showing that if you are morbidly obese, you can use, lose weight and keep it off with diet and exercise at all.
0: Okay.
1: So it's a necessity. So telling a morbidly obese to lose weight with diet and exercise, that's not supported by evidence. Mm. It's against evidence. Mm. It's like telling uh, a psychiatric patient, go... Uh, Be happy. Uh, yeah, be
0: happy. Just flip the switch.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, mm. Strong will. It's an insult, really. It's an insult. Mm. Mm. So why you accept that with the morbid obese? Or getting bullied every day, everywhere. Yeah. Are it's right?
0: highly related to psychiatric yeah. uh, comorbidities, depression, yes. anxiety, yes. Yes. Uh, all of it.
1: Um, I have patients, you know. When they gain, so some people when they gain ten kilos mm-hmm. and they look different, they stop going out of, home, of their home. From a balik, for more somebody, yeah. she got married. Her her height was hundred and uh, uh, one meter and sixty centimeter, mm-hmm. and she was fifty five kilos. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, she's now ninety kilos, and she cannot keep it off. Yeah. And. Uh, she goes out, and maybe some people didn't see her for 10 years, and they see her, and they don't recognize her. People don't recognize her. And some people can have that in 2 or 3 years rather than 10 years.
0: It's a huge impact. I see people changing their, their behavior yes. just over 5 kilos.
1: There are studies showing that the morbid obese don't go to clinics where they take their weight. Then mm-hmm. it's a traumatic experience for them getting into the scale.
0: But how much of obesity do you think is actually just a willpower thing? It's a
1: There's no willpower mm. in medicine. Tell me one disease that when a patient comes to you and asks you for a cure or for help and you tell him go and get your willpower to help you. Alheen mm. Morbid obesity is related to two hundred and forty diseases. Mm. Okay? If you if your BMI is thirty five or forty at the age of twenty five you lost fifteen years of your life. From the get-go. Mm. And you are going to lose these years and live the rest of your life with an impaired quality of life. Mm. This is proven in, in, in numerous studies. It's the number one risk factor for cancer. It's mm. not smoking, it's obesity, morbid obesity. Mm. It's the major risk factor for cardiac diseases. The top two killers, you know. cardiac diseases and uh, cancer, is caused by morbid obesity. It causes type 2 diabetes, hypertension, hypercholesterolemia stroke, cardiac events, right?
0: Pretty much everything.
1: Uh, mafasal, alam mafasal yeah. joints. Yeah. So when we have somebody who's diabetic, we don't tell him to use willpower. If he eats 1,000 calories per day, he, he will not de- need medications. No. But we call them stupid if they don't go and see a doctor. Sah? Sure. So why we do that to morbid obesity, which is the cause of type 2 diabetes. Mm. It's a philosophy. Mm. Medicine is about defining... What's the philosophy of medicine? Medicine is about defining what's disease, what is a disease, okay, and what is health. And, and, and what to use as an intervention to move somebody from being ill to healthy. Mm. So we are the ones who define what a disease is. We did not define Obesity is a disease because we did not understand it Mm. until recently, over the last 20 or or 30 years. Right? Mm. Now we have so many options. We have medicine. We have endoscopic treatment. We have surgical treatment. We don't need to go to surgery right away. Yeah. So we have so many interventions that we can combine and use, but we need to understand that diet and exercise is is not going to get you anywhere if you are morbidly obese. It's an adjunct. Mm. To others, so even if you have in psychiatry, you, you will always use diet and exercise with sleep, diet, exercise. If a patient is strong not sleeping. well, along with medication. But if you don't use the medication, all this is not going to help. Absolutely, So mm. it's the same concept. But how the do issue is as well, we have so many people who are not specialized in obesity who are taking over that field. Dietitians, with all due respect, some dietitians are are very good and they understand that, but some. Well, uh, they, they totally use the, the opposite message to be uh, to deliver. We study in medicine so many disciplines just to make us understand what a disease is,
0: mm.
1: what uh, what health is, and balance the risk and benefit of our treatment when we select the treatment. Arrived? Mm. They study one field and they start telling the patient what is what a disease is, what health is, and they suggest treatment, and this is wrong. The other day, I was listening to a podcast. They ask a, a dietitian, "What does he think of Saxenda for a patient?" Mm. This is not his job to answer that. Absolutely not. This is not his specialty because he doesn't understand what a disease is, what he- what health is, and what are the risks and benefits. Just like how we're not dietitians, then right? doctors, right? But, do with but but. but as 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 a morbidly obese as a morbid obesity specialist metabolic specialist mm-hmm. i understand all these disciplines mm-hmm. in order for myself to suggest the treatment so all my research in the lab now is is is, is in in metabolism right mm-hmm. so we are at a higher level in our understanding for uh, uh, of our understanding of disease and health
0: mm-hmm.
1: right this is the essence of medicine and all these disciplines take us to there it's not that our field is better than their field okay. but it's our job and it's our field that allow us to suggest treatment because we understand the line between uh, medicine and, um, between health and disease and we understand what is the risk and benefit for everything that we suggest similarly you can see some Pharmacists telling patients not to use a certain drug. They, they, they shouldn't
0: do that. That's not their job.
1: They shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. They, they, they can advise you as a doctor mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe this this dose is wrong or uh, this medicine will interact with this medicine, but you shouldn't tell the patient that, oh, uh, th- there's a side effect of this medicine in your kidney when your psychiatrist uh, uh,
0: prescribed lithium. Because okay? the psychiatrist has weighed the... the he weighed it problem. out already. Yeah. He did that. You're interfering with the management. You're
1: interfering with the management.
0: Mm. Right? But you know what I wonder is what is the role of maybe mental health and psychiatry to get the patients to your clinic? Because the issue is not uh, like.
1: So a lot of uh, my psychiatrist friends, Dr. Mohammed Swaydan, mm-hmm. Hujala Tahiyya, Salih, Dr. Mujahid Dr. Malim Al Dr. Samal Al Khwari, uh, work closely with them. They refer to me. Uh, their patients and uh, we manage them uh, collaboratively after surgery. This is excellent. Because uh, I remember one patient used was in six different drugs, mm. psychiatric drugs, and we got him to one only after surgery. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so, that,
0: that profound of an impact yeah, the obesity yeah, it's on his Huge,
1: men- a huge, wow. a huge. Um. So um, there is a strong link between uh, um, your mental health and and your weight. Uh, there are some studies showing that because what, what, who's in charge of your your weight? It's the brain with the gut, mm-hmm. and they communicate with each other by hormones. So they don't talk in Arabic or English. They they send hormones and Isharat uh, عصبية, uh, right? Mm-hmm. There are studies showing that when you are morbidly obese, so. Morbid ob- obesity is a disease about uh, fat storage, mm. essentially. Your body thinks that uh, it needs 40 or 50 kilos of fat you know, uh, to prepare you for the next starvation because that's what was happening in the hunter-gatherer period. You have uh, uh, spring abundance of food, you store, mm. you get fat, right? So that when winter happens or summer happens, you can burn that fat to survive. Your body thinks we are uh, think when, when you eat 700 calories yeah. at once or 1, six, 1500 six, seven, calories at once The body think oh, 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 we are preparing for a major attack
0: <laughs> Arrived?
1: yeah guys, let's sit down. Let's change our sit point set point, mm-hmm. point. that there, there is a نفس مثبت sir, the cruise control in the car. Mm-hmm. There is a, a cruise control for your weight a mm-hmm. set point mm-hmm. Let's set the weight at 150 now and uh, let's Conserve the food that we are eating instead of burning it and let's make it into fat right away mm. Because this guy he knows what he's doing and he's doing that because he pre- he's preparing for the starvation when you diet The body meets again and said oh we got into the starvation guys. Yeah. This is the starvation. We are preparing for mm. Let's not burn the food mm. Let's conserve this fat because you don't know how bad it's gonna get Alright? Mm. Yeah. And with time, and because you kept your fat store you, your fat stores for so long, three or four years, then the body will maintain those fat stores. Not like in the past. In the past, you get fat for three or four months, then you burn them four or three months later. عرفت؟ وهذا اللي تشوفه مع الممثلين أحيانًا an actor need needs to be uh, to take a role as a uh, like the whale. Brandon Fraser, So he needs to be. He eats a lot of pizzas for two or three months and then he burns them. Yeah. Unfortunately, some of the um, fitness uh, uh, coaches, they do that to show the morbid obese that they are lazy. Mm. For they eat so much and say, look, I'm fat now, I'm going to burn it in the next three months. And he burns it in the next three months because he doesn't have the set point. Right. There's no major uh, metabolic changes mm. in his body. Mm. unlike. Uh, the, 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 the morbidly uh, obese. Mm. For, for that, that's what's happening in, in, in morbid obesity. It's a disease of fat storage. There are studies showing that there are hormones and lipid metabolites that directly affect the brain and cause depression in the morbidly obese, mm. a direct causation by some of those metabolites going into the brain.
0: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, this just shows the, v- the value of the multidisciplinary team yeah. because if you're going to have your depressed patient who's going to continue being morbidly obese, you can yeah. keep throwing SSRIs at them yeah. all you want.
1: Yeah. Um, and so we work closely with, with the nutritionists, dietitians, pharmacists, uh, uh, medical specialists, uh, psychologists in the, tri- the treatment of morbid obesity. multidisciplinary approach. Is, is extremely important.
0: And what are the options that you, you give to patients? In terms of like... So if they
1: waters? are more obese, I prefer to go to surgery. If they, if they are not willing to go to surgery, we can do a combination therapy. So the first stage, we put a balloon, mm-hmm. either a swallowable gas balloon or mm-hmm. a one-year balloon, or we can do an endoscopic treatment which will suture the stomach. It's called endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty. Okay. Uh, that will be the first stage. The second stage will be combining it with one of the new medications for weight loss. Mm-hmm. Medications in their own, they can work, but I think once you stop them, you regain all the weight back. So it's better mm-hmm. to use them for maintenance or to uh, use them to augment the weight loss with the combination therapy. And now the, the meds That's, are
0: only for morbidly obese patients or also I'm just... I'm talking about the morbidly obese patients, but
1: okay. like in any disease, you need to intervene early. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the disease is not going to get better and so no. on, it will only progress right. and gets worse, right? Right. So if we have somebody with class one obesity, like the BMI is thirty, mm-hmm. right? You, I will not offer surgery, but I can offer the combination therapy that right. maintains the anatomy right. instead of changing it right. by by doing endoscopic treatment combined with the medical treatment to avoid getting into the uh, 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 morbidly obese. Right. Right. Well, uh,
0: Doctor. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been I uh, amazing.
0: It. I've learned a lot. I've been inspired. And uh, now I know that, uh, if God forbid, I get obese, I'm going to be knocking on the <laughs> <your head>. door. <laughs> uh, so, this has been uh, Dr. Muhammad Jamal. Uh, that's the last sip of coffee for the day. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Uh, please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And uh, stay tuned for more amazing content and please follow uh, Dr. uh Instagram pages and social media for all his latest updates. What account
1: do you have on Instagram? Your personal account? I'm not even used to it. You forgot your my account. account.
0: <laughs> Dr.a.a? A. Uh, dr. uh, uh Both of uh, these uh, tags are going to be put here on the screen, magically. So be sure to uh, fo- uh, follow these accounts, follow Dr. Mohammed, follow mine if you want to know more about The Doctors Brew, about my life, about my practice as a young doctor. Uh, and yeah, uh, thank you again. Thank you for having me again. hope you all enjoyed this episode of The Doctors Brew. New episodes to listen to with a cup of coffee coming your way every Sunday on YouTube and Spotify. And be sure to follow us on Instagram for all the latest updates. See you next time.